The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. I deal with seeds every day, planting little tiny seeds. Sometimes they are even mustard seeds. But knowing that God is the one that gives the growth, we are called to be faithful in what He's put right there in our hand, a little seed. And the seeds this missionary is talking about are being planted by him in the Middle East. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You're going to meet a new breed of missionary, one whose name we cannot give, but one who has found an effective way of reaching the people who live around him in the Middle East. Stay tuned for the interview. I invite you to check out our website, firstpersoninterview.com, for more about today's program. You'll also find a schedule of our upcoming interviews. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. And one more website to recommend to you is febc.org, telling the story of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's programs reach millions every day with a life-giving message of the gospel, and the stories that result are nothing less than amazing. Check them out at febc.org. FEBC, until all have heard. Kyle Smith, not his real name, is a missionary with a large, well-known mission organization. His method of building relationships with the goal of sharing Christ is through farming, a different sort of farming, though, in a part of the world where water is scarce. Kyle explains. Yeah, aquaponics is the an agriculture technique. It's a combination of hydroponics, which is growing plants and water as the medium, and aquaculture, which is the uh, raising of fish for food or other purposes. Okay. As you're growing up, did you say to yourself, I want to be a farmer who who specializes in aquaponics. <laughs> no, I had never heard of the term actually until even going to the Middle East. But uh, when I was a kid, I'd always had a fascination with the natural world. And mm. I loved just playing with little creatures. And I, I had a bedroom full of all kinds of creatures that my mother was so <laughs> patient and kind to let me okay. do. And I, I actually ended up studying biology while I was in college. All right, so. which has got to be a big help in what you do now. Then. It is, yeah. It's neat to see how... Um, the Lord has used my background, my even childhood passion of seeing little creatures and how they work and how they live in an environment to now using it for a, a platform for his uh, his word to go out. Amazing how you look back and see how the Lord prepared you, even though you didn't know you were being prepared. Absolutely. At the time, so. uh, it's incredible. Yeah. So we're going to come back to aquaponics in a moment okay. because you've taken it to a whole new level as far as I'm concerned and use it for ministry. And we'll find out what that's all about, Kyle. But let's uh, let's talk about your faith story. When did you come to Christ? So I had grown up in a, in a home where my mother came to faith in the Lord Jesus in uh, the late 80s. And uh, it was kind of a split home with my father thinking, not agreeing with, with, with that. and <laughs> But seeing a transformation in her life. And uh, I was in college and I had effectively... Uh, turned my back on on the Lord and was not living in a in a manner that pleased Him, and I knew it. I had really suppressed that, but uh, through a series of of events that, on their own, I probably could have dealt with, uh, through through substance abuse or through uh, the uh, the paths of pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, I would have found out a way to deal. But they all kind of came collapsing on me, and they involved. Uh, uh, 
a flood in my basement. They involved a, some very many broken relationships and um, and drug abuse while I was trying to study for 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 exams and a knee injury that actually also had a, an amazing healing as part of this story. So I was at work as a waiter at a at a local restaurant where I went to school, and a friend said, in a very strange conversation that I had said. You know, I go to church. Would you be interested in coming to church with me tonight? <laughs> I said I would. I'm there. Really? And I had just actually collapsed in my basement in the middle of a flood. I just collapsed in weeping uh, repentance of the life I had been living. So and the Spirit prepared the way for you, he didn't did, he? He did. And one of my first prayers after looking to to what Jesus had done uh, for me, and uh, in, in, in a renewal of my life, was a 180. He'd also answered the prayer of, I need, if I'm going to live this life uh, as a college student and as a, as a Christian, I need to have fellowship with other Christians. Mm-hmm. And that prayer was answered in an amazing way mm-hmm. just a few days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think there were any other Christians at my college. <laughs> it's a big secular school. Um, and I never actually met and interacted with a, with a Christian mm-hmm. those first two years. Now you're in your mid-30s. With a family. Mm-hmm. How many children? I have three girls. Three girls. And uh, you've been living in the Middle East for the last few years. That's right. Yeah. And uh, your ministry is pretty amazing. That's why I want to talk to you about it. But how did you get called to do what you do? Did you ever consider moving to another part of the world and doing what you do? I, I had actually, as I was graduating from this, uh, from studying biology in university, I had a desire to be exposed to other people other things in the world, other cultures. And I was able to go to Indonesia uh, right after, about a year and a half after the tsunami. And it's given me my first exposure actually to working with, with Muslim people, to actually interacting with them on a, on a spiritual level of, uh, of conversing about, about topics of, of faith and, and religion. And right after I graduated, I met, or right before I graduated, I met a guy in a Bible study that was taking students on exposure trips to the Middle East. And we started praying and envisioning what that could look like for maybe a small group or maybe just the two of us. And it turned it from a six-month exposure internship to international student ministry uh, with internationals in 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 the Middle East to actually two and a half years in, in this same role. Uh, but it gave me exposure to people from all over the region and uh, gave opportunity uh, to really see this um, this expression, this what what God had done for me and the 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 pit that I had been saved from to now interact with students from all different backgrounds and 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 contexts and uh, from all over the world. To now share that story with others and see uh, actually other Christians who are doing uh, something similar mm-hmm. uh, by sharing their faith with other Even students. your own testimony, yeah. uh, I'm sure, is useful in, uh, in telling people about the Lord. It was. Uh, so the day came when you had to decide, where am I going to end up? And you ended up with your family, mm-hmm. your wife and three girls in a Middle Eastern country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about that experience. Well, certainly it was not a decision one day that I will just be here for the rest of my adult life. But <laughs> there was a, a few moments when I remember I was in another Middle Eastern country visiting a, a country with very, very few uh, believers in the Lord Jesus. 
and uh, a little boy came up to me and said, are you a Christian, a Muslim, or a Jew? Maybe an eight-year-old boy. And I said, I'm a Christian. He said, I hate Christians. Mm. A little eight-year-old boy had no idea what he was saying. Uh, And that that really, really hit me hard that uh, a kid like that had never actually, had no idea when he says, I hate Christian, what he actually um, has never even heard the, the gospel, has never heard the who Christ is. And I looked around in the city where I was and just felt this overwhelming burden uh, for people in this city and in this region who never actually heard of, of what God has done in Christ for them. Yeah. He has sent his own son uh, because for his, for his glory, <laughs> that he would love people like this who, like me, <laughs> were dead in their sin. And I, I suppose that was one of the moments. And there, like a powerful experience. A powerful experience yeah. moment that I wasn't looking for it in that moment. And it, it maybe on the surface doesn't sound like something that would uh, flip me. Because I was already saying, Lord, if, if you are calling me to be here, I, I'm not looking for, for a calling, but I'm looking for how I can serve you. Mm-hmm. And if this is the way you're calling me, by exposing me. To this, then I would continue to go in that direction. Some important lessons there for all of mm-hmm. us, regardless if we're missionaries or not. Mm-hmm. When did and there's some things we can say and some things we can't say about what you do? Sure, yeah. But basically, you use the field of aquaponics mm-hmm. as your basis of ministry in a country where it's not. You wouldn't be welcome mm-hmm. otherwise. So we're in a in a region, and there are many parts of the world where. Water scarcity is a, a very acute stress on, on many people, especially the most vulnerable to water scarcity are often those who have uh, little access to the gospel. Uh, and we've re- realized that in being in a country where uh, Christian evangelism is not welcomed or, or it might be overlooked in some instances, but it's not welcomed and can't do it as a um, as a means of staying in the country. Mm-hmm. That what is a way that <laughs> the Lord would use us as a uh, and use a platform that we could establish with people uh, and interact with them and and uh, in a dignified way uh, to actually see techniques and technologies that could be used for 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 feeding people and for instigating. Uh, people to interact with their surroundings in a, in a, in a more positive way. I deal with, or I, I live with, I have the privilege of, of living among people who uh, a lot of them don't, don't view this country they live in as their homeland. They are yearning for a better homeland. And that's actually so much like... Gives amazing. you an open door, doesn't it? Gives it gives yeah. us an open door. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's as a Christian, we have a, a longing for... We, we have this longing for for Eden to return. And I think we all have this in us that we want to see beautiful things around us. We want to see uh, creation restored. And, and yet around us, we, we see in a, in a big Middle Eastern city, a lot of concrete, a lot of garbage, a lot of um, um, social problems, a lot of just degradation. And so seeing, okay, how can... We use a little bit of water and see really healthy food and uh, an exciting thing for people to cling to or to um, uh, 
to look at and say, wow, this is inspiring. I, we could do this in our roof, in our backyard, in our – there's not a lot of backyards, but a lot of um, like empty lots or you know, on top of a factory or something like this. We could use a little bit of water and see a big harvest from it. And that's actually one of the, the reasons why aquaponics works so well in the Middle East. Water scarcity is big. When you can use 90% less water and have um, control of really high-quality vegetables and, on top of that, have a f- product of fish come out of the system, it, people will come and check that out. And they are checking it out, as we'll learn from this missionary as we continue our conversation in a moment here on First Person. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Until All Have Heard, where Wayne Shepherd and I will take you on a virtual tour around Christian ministry in the most unreached places in the world to see what God is doing through the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So listen to the new weekly podcast, Until All Have Heard, from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Or go to febc.org. My guest is a missionary. Kyle, not his real name, serves in a country not as a typical missionary, but as one who really has a burden to reach uh, people for Christ, and doing so in a very unorthodox way. In a way, you're a farmer, aren't you? That's right, yeah. <laughs> Aquaponics is your field. You you grow vegetables. You mentioned fish a while ago. Where do fish come into all this? So fish are, uh, by nature, as, as vertebrate creatures, they uh, their excrement becomes uh, a problem in, in aquaculture, where a farmer has to continually change the water to get rid of all this excess nitrogen, this mm-hmm. buildup of waste. Well, that water is usually just dumped down the drain. A hydroponics farmer has also uh, adding chemical fertilizers to the water that's going to supplement the plants for the fertilizer that normally comes from the ground. Guess what? You can put those together. <laughs> so the waste from the fish ends up becoming, through a bacterial um, bacteria colony that converts the fish waste, becomes plant fertilizer. It's brilliant. And it's a closed system. So. You just add you add some uh, fish food. The fish eat it. They grow. Their waste becomes now uh, fertilizer for the for the plants. That's brilliant! It really is. I would imagine. And by the way, did you know anything about this when you struck out to start this? Uh, I was with the the organization that I work with had um, seen something uh, that the that had been done in in China, and the military had set up these um, kind of camps with hydroponics that could be kind of self-contained little pods or like, tents that you could grow food in and it could support the troops mm-hmm. as they're moving around. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody in the organization saw this and thought, this is brilliant. We could do this as, as, a- as access points to the unreached. This is something It's somewhat mobile, but they were thinking, how can this actually... S- um, not just um, give access to unreached communities, but sustain actually wow. local ministries. It's so visionary. That's what's so exciting about this. And we caught this vision, yeah. uh, and we were well, we were exposed to it uh, as a family, and did some training with some of the people that had really pioneered it in the organization. And now they 
gave us the tools to kind of take off. And now they're coming to you to learn because you've learned so much. I would imagine that you rub elbows with farmers, with business people, even with scientists maybe? Absolutely, yes. All of those. All of those people, uh, well, let's say most of those people are outside of Christ. So it gives you a Mm -hmm. chance to build Mm -hmm. a friendship. That's and right. that's, that's really your ultimate goal, isn't it? And so many people are attracted to sustainability and um, green ideas and uh, alternative energy really have some kind of utility in the city. How can people really butt up against it, brush shoulders with it? And so we actually developed a, um, a showcase, a model, a pilot that's uh, a functional, uh, how you can say, farm-to-table model of what can be used with an unused rooftop sunlight year-round, great conditions for a growing. A rooftop. A rooftop that already has people nearby actually working right in the same building, but a rooftop that before we were there was just collecting sun for, for that could later than Just a hot rooftop. Hot, huh? ro- hot rooftop. <laughs> and the city is full of them. Actually, everywhere you look, there's some of the uh, water tanks that are used by by people. You know, we get water once or twice a week. People pump it onto their rooftops. It sits there until they use it. So there's already actually the this infrastructure for roofs that are flat with water on top. We just add a few components, and you now are uh, looking at a year-round farm farm to table. I think it's an amazing story. It really is. I'm fascinated by the technology and maybe we can have a much longer conversation about about that. But again, you grow vegetables and all is for the purpose of sharing Christ ultimately with people. Tell me stories about those friendships. So we get a lot of people that will come uh, find us on Facebook or I'll find us, uh, uh, you know, we've set up a little company in in country that that promotes this and, and is doing this and is serving to educate, but also serving serving to showcase. Some people aren't willing to take the risk of something they watched a YouTube video on, but they can come and look at it, interact with us who've had hands-on experience with this technology for almost five years now. And you're open to sharing all this. Yeah, so we, of course, have to use a little discretion, but the people that are coming are either small farmers or are in... um, uh, charities that work with refugees, charities that work with uh, maybe underprivileged uh, people in some way, schools, high schools, even a university group that is studying water and its impact in the region, uh, and then even uh, young entrepreneurs who really have a want to. They see the potential of their country. They don't feel like the the solution to some of these. Issues is just to immigrate or to mm-hmm. leave the country, but how can we harness concepts and, and technologies to really see them integrated into the to the city? You can see why it would attract so many people. It does, and it's it's amazing that these people that are coming are not the people I would normally be as walking in the street and able to just stop and have a conversation with. Through the relationship that we develop, through visiting one another in our respective projects, or farms, or homes, uh, schools that we get to develop relationships. And in those relationships, we pray for open doors to share our real hope. Mm-hmm. We actually we, we have a, a vision that, that uh, this kind of technology would be incorporated. But actually, we have an even bigger vision that God's kingdom would, would come and would come into the lives of people and transform them Fantastic. for eternity. Wonderful. Introduce us to someone who's been affected by this spiritually. Yeah, we have uh, 
I'll start with saying we have uh, had the opportunity to showcase this in a very small mobile unit uh, last year and got to meet people, thousands of people through the city, thousands. And it was just a like a two-week thing where people were coming by and just um, continuing to uh, interact with us and how this could be used. And there's just one guy in particular. I don't even remember his name, but uh, he came by, a Bedouin guy, and I'll let, lives in the, in the desert, very um, conservative, and... Um, came by and started asking questions about how this could work. And he said, would this work in my community? And I said, well, what community are you referring to? He said, well, my family and I live in the desert. And we, you know, this one city that you might be familiar with? I said, yeah. He said, keep driving another hour east of that. <laughs> I said, oh, wow, like a really desert dweller. And if you imagine a map of our country, there is a a whole region that just has very little witness for Christ, that has no known um, gatherings of, of believers. And this guy is speaking of, of, that, of that region. It's like that region and beyond even. It's saying, would this work for us? Could you imagine working with us to do something like this? And I, of course, haven't hold my excitement back. Like, this is exactly why we're doing this. We want to build relationships and, and visit you and maybe even start something out there and get a understand your community and what your community could benefit from this. And in doing that, we share not just our lives. We not we not just share the gospel, we share our lives with them in, in really real real ways. It's a culture that is um incredibly hospitable, uh incredibly warm and it's uh friendly. I mean there's a lot of I think news stories that maybe make us a little bit more afraid of of the other right. sometimes. But I have found that uh, getting into conversations where the the name of Jesus comes up and the 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 the, the core of the gospel actually will come up very quickly in a conversation because one of the first questions is, "Why are you doing this? Are you a Muslim? Why are you doing this?" <laughs> You must be a Muslim if you're wanting to help people or if you're wanting to live here. And First of all, a smile crosses your face. A smile crosses our face. And (laughs) that question, it can be a loaded question, but it can also be a a somehow sometimes political question. Uh Who are are you with us? Are you against us? You have to be very circumspect, don't you? But so often the Lord has given that that question or very similar questions like that to a, a very quick establishment of what our hope is in. What a creative way to build friendships with the goal of being a faithful witness for Jesus Christ, something not easy to do in a Muslim country. Once again, our guest has been Kyle, but that's not his real name, as you can understand why it's important to protect his ministry. Even though we cannot divulge his name, we'll have more information about the field of aquaponics on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. A word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for helping make today's interview possible. FEBC continues to grow in many countries. For example, a new radio station has been approved for Kyrgyzstan, adding yet another gospel-centered witness in that country. This is happening in several other places as well, as FEBC is continually expanding its reach into places that need to hear of God's love and salvation. You can get the latest updates by going to febc.org. That's febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. Mm-hmm.